Hey guys, just a quick reminder that me and the Beardy One will be doing a live show from Celluloid Screams this year. That's at the Showroom Cinema in Sheffield on Friday, October the 19th at 3pm. It'll be all the usual stuff you get from an episode. There'll be a guest and film combo. Uh, we'll be giving away some free swag courtesy of our pals at Arrow Video. And we'll also be doing a live Mitch's Pitches. We'll hopefully see you there and now on with the episode. Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to Minisode 23 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast given a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart. How's it going man, you alright? <laughs> yeah, I'm okay thanks, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, how's your week been? You've been watching anything of note? Uh, yeah, I've watched a few things, you? Ah, yeah, loads, actually. Oh, right. Are any of them Armageddon-esque disaster epics? Uh, no, I think that like, one is certainly enough for now. I don't know when I'll be ready for another one. But we're going to take a back seat this week. All oh, right, okay. So what have you watched? So, a couple of things. Netflix first. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched American Poltergeist. Right, what, uh, what's, what is American Poltergeist? So it came out a couple of years ago, and it's uh, called a couple of things, one of which was The House of Lizzie Borden. Shite. <laughs> Well, I mean, amongst other things, like I say, it was called The House of Lizzie Borden. The title that they seem to have settled on Mm -hmm. is um, American Poltergeist. And what it's about, basically, is you have uh, these college kids who move into a house off campus for their final year. Right. So they turn up there, and this woman who is uh, renting the house to them, or so it seems, because when they meet her, I'm kind of assuming that she's going to be the landlady, but she seems to live with them after that. Right. Or she certainly shows up a lot. Um, and after they get there, your kind of main character, um, she gets kind of uh, haunted by these increasingly spooky visions. Right, okay. And ultimately, it's a Lizzie Borden story, as the one of the titles suggested. <laughs> um, and it's the however month's anniversary of that, and this is the house that it happened in, and all this kind of thing. And this is explained, obviously, midway through. Um, and someone describes the scene as being like something from a Mike Myers film, which I assume they meant Halloween. I heard it and thought Shrek. Right. Yeah, Austin Powers. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, basically, uh, the long and short of it is that these visions get kind of increasingly uh, kind of scary, air quotes. And Lizzie Borden <laughs> is summoned and embarks on what is, for my money, one of the tamest killing sprees I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> this is also a Lizzie Borden film where no one gets chopped up with an axe. Maybe she's done with that. Uh, maybe. Maybe it's time to Being move on. Maybe done that. Yeah. Uh, I'll maybe utilise some other... Uh, I mean, what, what other implements are used? It's mostly people being indiscriminately dragged into the dark. Oh, right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I don't like this at all. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend it. I, well, I did, though. I have to mention this. Uh, I went and did some reading about it afterwards, as I am wont to do. Right, sure. And uh, noticed that there is an American Poltergeist 2. So, American Poltergeist came out, I believe, 2015. Right. American Poltergeist 2 came out in? 2017? 2013. Okay. Didn't see that coming, did you? Okay. Uh, uh, so, basically, it was um, originally titled The Poltergeist of Borley Forest, I believe, uh, and then got retitled American Poltergeist 2, 
and pitched as a sequel. So it's obviously it's got nothing to do with the original, but you can't really lay the blame for that at the feet of the filmmakers since they didn't make that film. Yeah, sure, that, that's a, obviously a... Well, they did a, make like that a, film, but yeah. that wasn't the film they set out to make. That's like a distribution yeah. decision. One of those weird ones. It's So they're both on Netflix. I probably won't watch the second one. Um, I think you must. I think you must and feedback on it. Well, I maybe will, actually. Just, Perhaps just, you're missing out on uh, the better of the the two American Poltergeist films. Perhaps, yeah. Um I must admit it wouldn't take like American Poltergeist wouldn't take much topping. <laughs> uh wasn't crazy about it. Um I also for the first time in a long time revisited and know what you did last summer. All right, okay. Which um and I, I watched it and I quite enjoyed it. And I think that it should really be remembered as like a fairly decent slasher film from that time, would you yeah. agree? Yeah, aye. <laughs> um, what I think is weird about it is, um, obviously it was also written by Kevin Williamson, <laughs> yeah. the, uh, the wrote Scream. This came out the following year. And the the closest comparator I can think of, and this is a very British reference, so our um, international listeners will have to bear with me. But do you remember the show Bo Selector? I do remember Bo Selector. Yeah. Right, so I'm I like, where are, they, where are you going? So you know, you know, obviously, like that parodied and made fun of a lot of celebrities, but most of them were like super famous. Yeah, but Craig David was kind of like UK famous, right? And he was the only one who I would say was he was in danger of having his own fame overtaken by the parody. Oh, right, okay, yeah, sure. Which I think happened to him, and I think that this happened with I know what you did last summer with Scary Movie because Scary Movie spoofed I know what you did last summer so effectively. Um, and it took all the right cues, and I think that the I Know What You Did Last Summer elements of Scary Movie are hilarious. But it just means that when you're watching this back, all you can think of is the stuff from Scary Movie that spoofed it. Right. And I'm wondering if this, I'm wondering how much this is the case for other people, because Scary Movie made more than twice as much at the box office as I Know What You Did Last Summer did. Okay. So I'm wondering if anybody else can't separate the two in their head, and as a result, some of I Know What You Did Last Summer is quite hard to take seriously. In hindsight. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I, know, I kind of get what you mean. Yeah. So um, I had a good time revisiting it. And um, there was, I kind of forgot how much of the kind of like A-list of the kind of teen drama actors and actresses were in that. Yeah, sure. At the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, but yeah, no, I, I had some fun with it. But like I say, um, there was just something a little bit strange about watching it back. When I couldn't really separate it from the scary movie stuff in my head. <laughs> And I'm curious to know if that's just me or if anybody else kind of has that with that film. Has it given you the desire to revisit the scary movie films? Um, it's given me the desire to revisit scary movie. It hasn't given oh, me... Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm not going to retrospective the whole thing because who would want to do that? But like, um, <laughs> uh, um, and the only other thing, last night actually, for the first time, I watched Mirrors. Oh, with Kiefer Sutherland? Yes, and right, Amy Smart. Fuck, right, okay. Um, so, again... I was not a fan of this. I remember next to nothing about this film except for a lot of CG and a pretty cool scene where Amy Smart cuts her own mouth open. Ah, uh, yeah, she like rips it uh, yeah. open, and that is that's comfortably the like the strongest moment in the film. And in fairness, there are a couple of good jump scares in there, but for a film that spends so much of its time showing you people furiously running from A to B, mm-hmm. so little happens. Right, <laughs> and it feels so long. See the Amy Smart scene you're talking about? Yeah. Um, that is like halfway through the film. And that feels so much like a third act jump off point. Yeah. But when that happens, I was like, fucking hell, this is going to change gears and it doesn't. <laughs> and yeah, for, for a film that is so breathless, it's so dull. Uh, yeah, but I was curious about it. It's one of those ones that people have spoken about over the years and I've kind of had to just sit quietly while people spoke about it. So I saw it last night and I was like, fuck it, I'm finally going to get around to this. Uh, didn't care for it. But, like I say, um, and actually... Um, There's a sequel not, to that as well, isn't there? 
That's right, yeah, yeah. Mirrors 2 came out two years later, I believe, 2010. I have not seen that. Um, don't want to jump ahead too much uh, to feedback and things, but yeah. I did get a tweet from Darren Gaskell uh, right. when because I, I was talking about it on my personal Twitter. And he said, he was like, if he thinks the film's terrible also, but he thinks that Amy Smart is good in it. And I agree. I think that she does pretty good work. She's the best performance in there. But yeah, no, didn't like the film. Uh, Fair enough. But that's my lot. What about you? Uh, yeah, I watched a couple of things as well. Cool. First up, I checked out uh, Ryan Prowse's Low Life. Yes! <laughs> Absolutely loved it. It's, I uh, fucking love Low Life. Yeah, it's not long been added to Now TV uh, in the UK. Do you want to make an attempt to discuss what that's actually about? Low Life? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, so it's basically about a bunch of different characters whose stories come together, uh, kind of surrounding an organ trafficking plot. Mm-hmm. One of them is the, like this kind of kingpin crime boss guy who runs a fish tackle shop another one is a woman who runs a motel who is missing a daughter mm-hmm. another of the main characters is a failed luchador uh, who has kind of taken up a job as a man that gets things done for this kind of mob boss type guy yep and the other one is a freshly released criminal with a swastika tattooed on his face <laughs> And they've got kind of their own threads going on, but they all converge together kind of in this one big massive clusterfuck at the end. The legacy is all. Yeah, the legacy is all. I I thought it was brilliant. I thought that the guy who plays El Monstro is brilliant. I thought that that character's amazing. I really love Low Life. Um, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I saw it at Fright Fest last year, um, and it was one of those things where there was nothing that was particularly catching my eye in the discovery screens. And Low Life, I was like, oh, this looks kind of weird and interesting. But I kind of went in kind of flying blind yeah. on the last day, and I knew within about five minutes, I was like, yep, we're on a winner here. That yeah, film one, is so good. It's one of those cool kind of Tarantino-y, crimey type things. Well, there's, yeah. Very cool. There's a there's a kind of, uh, a lot of kind of press for it have made the Pulp Fiction comparison, which is totally understandable right, when yeah, you think uh-huh, about uh-huh. it. No, if that's a great film. So where did you see that? Uh, on Now TV. Okay, so that's available now. Yeah, get on, on that. On Sky. Yeah, uh, get on that. Uh, so get on it, check it out. Uh, it's really, really good. Uh, actually not a bad week for viewing for me oh yeah uh, I also went on to my Shudder account for the first time in a while oh nice and I checked out Indonesian chiller Satan's Slaves ah okay I've um, seen a couple of people talking about this uh, is this, a, this is a Shudder exclusive isn't it it is a Shudder exclusive yes um, um, also a remake remake slash prequel of an Indonesian film from 1982 oh that's interesting uh, of the same name cool okay I thought it was really fucking good yeah I thought it was really good the uh, general chat I've seen about this for as much of it as there's been yeah has been pretty positive yeah it's like very much kind of in the early running very much a kind of haunted house film you've got your kind of spook show set pieces but they're really effective really well done the kids the actors in it they're really good really strong uh, and then it kind of turns into a zombie film later on it's a story of Indonesian family the, the matriarch of the family is ill um, she was like a famous recording artist back in the day and there's no more royalties coming in for her so they're unable to pay her bills um, the family kind of they're not able to kind of treat her the way they would like and obviously when she passes away then all this kind of weird shit starts to happen around the house but as things kind of progress from there uh, it kind of falls to the daughter of the family to kind of unravel what's going on okay pretty scary at points um, some pretty gnarly stuff in there as well ending gets a little bit convoluted but I don't think that's any reason for you not to watch it it's really good 
Essentially promising. Yeah. Cool. Should check it. You should check it out. No, no, I definitely will. Should um, get, grab my password again and dive <laughs> dive back in. <laughs> um, is that your lot for this week? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I don't. I watched some other. I started watching the series to a big mouth, but I don't know if that's uh, appropriate for the the podcast. Um, I I've seen the whole thing. Um, <laughs> I've had like a quite a quiet weekend. Um, so yeah, it dropped on Friday, and I'd watched all ten episodes by yesterday afternoon. You had a quiet weekend after we wound up in that eighties club on Friday night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I, I kind of felt like I kind of felt like I owed myself a quiet Saturday after that, so I did. <laughs> but yeah, no, but I, just yeah, as an aside on a non-horror tip, uh, Big Mouth season two is fucking hilarious again. Yeah, so so good. Yeah. I want to check out Jeremy Solnier's new film on Netflix. Oh, Hold the Dark. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna. Try, we should both try and watch that this week, so we can talk about it next week. Yeah, I had hoped actually to have it done for this, but yesterday I was nursing a pretty meaty hangover. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of worked, worked my way through low life and Satan Slaves. Which is, yeah, which is a good run. Yeah, both of them I would recommend. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, that's my lot too, which means... So, just the one this week, but oh? I uh, want to also flag up that I was reading ahead in the list to see what is there that I need right. to get through. And I noticed that on the list are pieces... Mm-hmm. And Pumpkinhead. Ah, so I, you've inadvertently knocked two off. Yeah, um, just in the course of doing the show. So I've done. Yeah, exactly. So I've done. Um, I've done uh, some quick maths, and I can confirm that. Like, although I only watched one this week, and it was a rewatch, Insidious. All right. Okay. Is my twentieth. Oh, so we're twenty percent of the way through. All right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I rewatched Insidious for the first time since I saw it in the cinema. Actually. All right. Okay. How do you think it's aged? Do yeah. you think it's failed? I mean, I think it's really good. I think it's still. I think it's still. I think it still works uh, in all the ways that it did when it was first on the go. I would say, and I mean, I think one thing that kind of sets it apart is the caliber of performance. Right. Because I think that Ty Simpkins, that plays the kid, is really good in this. Rose Byrne is really good. Barbara Hershey mm-hmm. is really good. Like Lee Winnell and Angus Sampson as the two kind of investigators. Lynn Shea, Patrick Wilson, all really good in this. And I think that that probably carries it quite a lot of the way. But it's also, I mean, it's, it's a pretty unusual spin on that kind of film mm-hmm. as well. Where it goes in the second half with the kind of astral projecting and stuff like that, I don't particularly like that kind of thing, but yeah. it's really well done in this. And I think that also, despite the fact that it's not a kind of avenue that I favour, I think that it's worth having there just because it's a little bit different. I would say the first two acts are really super strong. Yep. And I think it falls apart a little bit in the third act, to be honest. See, I wouldn't go as far as to say that it falls apart, but it definitely loses me in a way that I didn't expect it to. Yeah, it loses me in a way that it can't really get back on it. Oh, really? Okay. Um, and that's kind of why I didn't really like the sequels. See, um, I really like Insidious 2. I, that's an unpopular opinion, but mm-hmm. I really like Insidious 2. 3, I thought was all right. 4, less said the better. <laughs> uh, not a... Also on no TV. <laughs> check out the film that Mitch Bain called deplorable nah it's not but it's the worst one of the four I think for me but Insidious yeah it's strong I get why people love it Um, and yeah for me it's it's pretty it's pretty solid so that's it then Insidious Insidious that's the only one but like I say we've hit the 20% mark in the overall hunt to get through the Shockwaves 100 still a long way to go <laughs> still a long way to go yeah but I can, but like you know I kind of feel like I feel like that's like the first proper milestone right okay so what would be the next one kind of 33 yeah 33 would be good yeah 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 third of the way home yeah yeah Yeah. okay yeah, based on current projections that'll probably take me until about fucking mid-December or something but like yeah I'll get there <laughs> based on current projections based on the information that I'm hearing from the boffins yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway that's it from the Shockwaves 100 this week which can mean only one thing yeah and once again they have been saying plenty of course they have we did an episode on Armageddon yeah which I must admit actually generally 
uh, there's people came out mostly in support of doing an episode in Armageddon, which uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, it was kind of surprising to me. <laughs> Except for like one dude. Oh yeah, <laughs> which I've actually got. I've got that here to read out. He, okay, he, he was not happy about us doing Armageddon at all. Oh, go on. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll just kick off with it then. Uh, on uh, Instagram, we had the sky isn't sad enough, saying okay. I wouldn't go near this. There are movies that are so bad they're good, and then there are those that are a total waste of life. <laughs> Exhibit A, <laughs> Exhibit A is given above. So, thank, uh, thank you very much for your candor. Yeah, so not a fan. Right, but, but uh, that's, <laughs> that's good stuff, though. Um, on a slightly lighter note, we had uh, Margaret F. Music getting in touch on uh, Instagram. And she said, oh my God, yes, one I've actually seen. Hashtag no longer a Mitch. How does that make you feel? But to be a Mitch is not considered a mark of any kind of... Like, it's definitely, no, it's, uh, it's, it's whatever the opposite of a badge of honour is. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, a couple of people actually, yeah. We had um, uh, Faye Ellis at Tweak81 on Twitter saying, uh, ridiculously entertaining episode of Strong Violent PC. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, if you don't love Armageddon, prepare to change your mind. Faye, a vocal supporter of Armageddon. Clearly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got uh, Danny Naylor here uh, at <laughs> Dan Naylor's tweet. Saying, if you want to improve the Armageddon experience, listen to the commentary where Ben Affleck lays into the film for its runtime. <laughs> uh, I think I did touch on that during the episode. I think I touched on it in so much as Ben Affleck voicing his opinion on the film uh, and the kind of main story arc of the film to Michael Bay and being roundly told to fuck off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he then proceeds to ridicule it <laughs> openly for an extended right, period of time. That's pretty funny. Uh, which is, uh, is genuinely quite funny. He's not a big fan of the film. Mm, okay. Um, and Steve Buscemi famously said that he did the film so he could buy a bigger house. <laughs> so, <laughs> to be fair he doesn't look like he's phoning it in at any point oh no 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 no! The consummate professional if nothing else yeah film fan stevie on twitter as usual uh hitting in with some helpful information are you ready for the armageddon episode of strong violent pc if you're brave you can pick up the blu-ray for six pounds at vop <laughs> if your curiosity carries you that far fair play uh, yeah. But yep, that's where you can get it. The reward is not outweighed by the cost. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, um, Stevie actually also got in touch and said uh, that in Armageddon, the French bulldog eating a small Godzilla was because of the summer blockbuster battle that season. Yeah, between Armageddon and the 1998 Roland Emmerich Godzilla yes. with Matthew Broderick, which is fucking god-awful. Uh, yes, it's minging. Yeah, and I would argue that in that battle, well, certainly in terms of money made... Armageddon roundly trounced Godzilla but I would say as just an, a kind of enjoyable film I would say that Armageddon wins out that yeah, battle I'd be inclined um, to agree with you there yeah. yeah I don't think Godzilla has many redeeming, redeeming qualities whatsoever no I would I'd like to say I, I, I agree with that I must say you got any more on Armageddon I've got oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah sure do um, we had Sandy Gotrick get in touch on Twitter saying it's Friday so it can only mean one thing it's time to listen to my favourite podcast Strong Violent PC thank oh, you thanks. oh and I sobbed at the end of Armageddon okay that's fine um, so did I yeah I was going to say we, we had a very <laughs> open conversation about how that got to us emotionally so yeah no judgement here Sandy Dave Cooper uh, at deluxe underscore man on Twitter this was partially because of the Armageddon getting announcement and partially because of that comment from uh, Zoe last week in the feedback saying that she prefers the mini-sodes to the main episodes. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. So Dave said initially, the mini-sode always features in my Monday lunch break at work. Best way to keep motivated. I like hearing stories like that. I like hearing how we appear in people's routines. Yeah. It's interesting yeah. to me. Uh, he also said, also, Armageddon. Gah! It's all good until I hear that bloody Aerosmith song. Which is... Well, which one? 
<laughs> Take it back. Which one? Because there's fucking loads in there. Right? I, think, I think I know which one you mean, but uh, yeah, fair. I'm assuming it was the one that we couldn't get fucking rid of. I would, I would um, contend that no Aerosmith song in that film is worse than Mr. Big Time by John Bon Jovi. That's the worst song on the soundtrack <laughs> for me. Um, because I mostly think the Aerosmith are alright. However, Mr. Big Time is fucking shocking. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's it's deplorable. We all so cancelling John Bon Jovi's appearance as the guest this week. <laughs> um, that's just about the height of it for my Armageddon stuff. Boz Bozy alone got in touch on Facebook saying that's a mission and a half. Defend away. I'm all in. Of course, it's a mission and a half. They had to fly to space to stop a meteorite <laughs> or an asteroid. <laughs> Fair enough. No, that's that's my lot for Armageddon. Do you have anything else before we move on? I do, yeah, yeah. Um, I've got uh, a message again from Darren Gaskell. Jumping back to, uh, I think it was last week's minisode, we had read out a tweet from James Plum, uh, who had said that he was surprised that you had seen Pieces but hadn't seen an American movie from London. I am nothing else if not an enigma. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and Darren Gaskell jumped on that to say, that's how horror movie fandom goes sometimes. I saw Chopper Chicks in Zombie Town quite a while before I saw The Shining. <laughs> That's a really um, good example of that. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like abs- absolutely. Uh, also, while I speak about James Plum, we had another message from James off the back of last week's minisode where I was kind of lukewarm on Pie Wacket. Yeah, we both were, yeah. yeah. Thank you. I've never understood the overwhelming passion for Pie Wacket. At best, the film, and all its 80s TV morals glory, is okay. <laughs> Actually, I, I would say it's slightly less than okay. It's boring. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I, mean, I know you had said yeah, yeah. you'd use that exact word, but it is. It's boring. I put up on Facebook this week, you know how we, no- we normally put up the pre and post photoshopped image from Mitch's pitches side sure, by side? Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. I only put up the one with the title blurred out right. uh, this week to let people guess. Okay. So a few Have pe- people been playing along. Chelsea Burden said, "I don't know what this is, but that's an awesome poster." <laughs> right. Okay. Um, Laura Bynan got in touch saying, "We just had the director in Cardiff, if I'm not mistaken." Yeah, correct. Which, yeah, this yeah. was accidentally timely because next, Darren Gaskell correctly said that it was in Seminoid. Uh, Stuart Wyatt said he's had that film lined up to watch this week because he hasn't seen it for years. Kevin Matthews also said, uh, wasn't this a Norman J. Warren film? Almost any of his films would make interesting discussion subjects. I've certainly grown to love Prey. Yep. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there you go. And also James Plum, once again, just saying fascinating talk from him at Fractured Visions this weekend. It was obviously uh, just this weekend past. Um, So yeah, loads of people getting in on uh, the Mitch's Pitches action on Facebook. So I'll do that again um, ahead of this. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I've got no vision of that since I deactivated my Facebook account, but I had no idea that was even going on. No, well, it was just this week I started doing it, so I'm going to start keep doing that going forward. Surprising to me. That's cool. Uh, That's my lot. Um, I do have one other thing, and it's going back to the episode that we did on the ninth configuration. Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 So sadly, we learned that uh, Scott Wilson had passed away. And who's just absolutely incredible in the ninth configuration yeah and uh, I think you said that when his character Herschel dies in The Walking Dead that's kind of the point that it all goes to shit yeah I think he's the moral backbone of the group yeah and I think yeah that was where both I thought the group dynamic and my interest in the show started to diminish yeah but he's, he was great in The Walking Dead as well he was great um, in The Walking Dead yeah and, but amazing in the ninth configuration absolutely and, and Heather who was our guest for the ninth configuration episode yeah she commented just with a little sad face um, and Darren Gaskell replied just saying if anyone hasn't seen him in the ninth configuration they should do right now I completely agree yeah, I would absolutely urge anyone to see the ninth configuration that's it, it's, that's still I think probably, probably my favourite film that I've come across through this podcast I would oh, say well there we go so with feedback concluded that can mean only one thing yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Yeah. How are you feeling? You feeling good? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. It's Mitch's Pitches. It's time to go again. Yeah. So, 
So let's just take a wee look back at last week. We did Inseminoid. We did do Inseminoid last week, um, which I believe I reappropriated as Voyage into Terror. Yeah, but I believe you might have sent it to your parents again. Uh, Yes, after after the laugh that we had with uh, my mum and dad chipping in on Nightmare Beach, Mm -hmm. um, decided to do it again and we'll probably keep doing it now. Before I sent the Inseminoid poster to my mum... I did uh, preface it with a content warning. It is quite a graphic image. Yeah, yeah. so um, I thought uh, I thought that it was only fair. I mean, um, neither of my parents are particularly easily offended, but I thought, you know, only fair to really just give them a little <laughs> bit of fair warning on that one. So I did do that in the hope that I would get some titles back. Right. Um, and did you? I did, yeah. Right, okay. Um, so I would recommend bringing the poster back up at this point. If you've got access to your social media, maybe just bring it up, take a second Refresh look at yourself. it. yourself. Yeah, uh, because my dad went for the endearingly nonsensical floodlights over Salem. <laughs> what? what? Yeah, Why? I know. <laughs> Is that because they've got like head torches on? I mean, maybe. That's the only thing that I could think of. Um, Did they look at it? What? Did they look at it? Just... <laughs> Did they just go... Uh... Um, something horror Salem uh, flood, floodlights, floodlights over, over Salem, Salem. Do. yeah um, but my mom gave it considerably more thought I would say uh, <laughs> so Sheila Bain's suggestions this week were the spectacular Mrs. Clarkson it's a boy right okay that's, that's pretty funny <laughs> which I think is pretty right, great okay and uh, just today when I was on my way here she suggested wasn't expecting that right okay which I think is really <laughs> funny yeah sure and the, certainly the gentlemen in the, the image don't look like they were expecting that no uh, no that's certainly true wow okay yeah I, I've, I've got to say I like Mrs. Clarkson it's a boy yeah I think that um, that wins out this week <laughs> over all the other submissions from my parents and also over Voyager terror oh, I think. For sure. so for anyone who's got no idea what the fuck we're talking about right now mitch's pitches is a feature of the show designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment and he will send me a poster uh, for a horror film from years gone by he will remove all titles taglines uh, distinctive text and so on leaving only the image i will to the best of my ability describe the image and also give it a title and a plot summary yeah. Uh, we'll also post this to our social media channels because we're aware that this is a ropey suggestion for an audio medium. Yes. yes, uh, yes. So. So, you ready? Uh, yeah, why not? Let's do it. Okay. Image inbound. Okay, here we go. It's here. Right. Okay, I'm going to need to do a little bit of zoom in here. Yeah, sure. I think you should. There's a lot of detail. Yeah, there's quite a, lot, quite a lot going on here. Right. Okay. Uh, what we have here is what appears to be like a large stone door. <laughs> Right, okay. Right, and kind of from behind the door, there is this kind of uh, this frame of... It's kind of an orange glow. Right, yeah. Uh, from, mm-hmm. a, from all around the door frame. And uh, there's some kind of uh, spooky-looking inscriptions in the door. And there's a hand bursting forth from it. It looks like it's supposed to have smashed a hole through the door. Right. Um, it's a giant hand that looks like it's made of stone. Okay. And the five fingers on the hand alternately have either what look like nails or the heads of snakes. Reasonable? <laughs> what are you laughing at? No, no, no. It's just that there was a, a slight tinge of resignation to, of course, the fingers have snakes. <laughs> <laughs> and inevitably, the fingers are snakes. The fingers are snakes. <laughs> okay, so, uh, yeah, big stone hand coming out of a big stone door, snake fingers. <laughs> that's, and that's the title. <laughs> the explosive follow-up to knuckle bones. Uh, right, okay, give me a sec. I've got something. You've got something? Yeah. You sure? Mm-hmm. You look puzzled. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's a fucking weird picture, Andy. 
right, okay. So, logline first? Yep, sure, as is standard, as has become tradition. So I'm going to say, after unearthing a strange artifact during an archaeological dig, a mild-mannered geologist is plagued by increasingly terrifying visions. Can he lift the curse before it's too late? Okay, right, okay, cool, sure. And that's from 1992's The Curse of Snake Fist. Snake Fist. Yep. It sounds like a martial arts movie. And one that I would watch. Right, yeah, no, Curse of Snake Fist. The Curse of Snake Fist. <laughs> oh, I mean, okay. I mean, perhaps you wouldn't be surprised to learn that it's not The Curse of Snake Fist. Are you fucking kidding me? Uh, so, I can tell you that the year is 1992. Yes! <laughs> and it's uh, David Schmuller. Who directed Puppet Master and uh, Tourist Trap? Uh-huh. It's his film, uh, Netherworld. Netherworld. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. comfortably not as good a title as A Curse of Snake Fist. I actually wholeheartedly agree with you. <laughs> What's the synopsis for Netherworld? A young man arrives at his father's mansion in Louisiana to discover that a secret for an, archae- for an archaeological dig. Nope. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, to discover that a secretive cult is using winged creatures to raise the dead to do their bidding. Fucking hell, that's got nothing to do with the poster. <laughs> Are you kidding? It's got absolutely fuck all to do with the poster. Okay, that's fine. Okay, so Netherworld it is, yeah. apparently. Uh, and not the curse of Snake Fist. <laughs> I, will, uh, I will submit this to uh, Mick and Sheila Bain. Try uh-huh. and get some suggestions for next week. Uh, but yeah, that concludes Mitch's pitches for another week. This live is going to be a fucking train wreck. No, it's not. It's fine. I've got it under control. <laughs> uh, right. Okay. I'll be so... speeding you on at a clip. Okay. Well, that, that's what I'm worried about. <laughs> um, okay. So next up, I've um, got a podcast recommendation now. So last week I did Deadly Manners. You did, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's your turn. What are you going for? Right, okay, well, it's another. I'm going to go for another big one. And so much as it's part of the Blumhouse podcast network, it's uh, Mick Garris's Postmortem. Oh, nice, okay, yeah. 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 Um, I'm sure everybody listening knows who Mick Garris is. Mick, the, the, the guy's done it all. Yeah, man. the list goes like, on yeah, and on, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like directed Critters 2, directed Sleepwalkers, and the, the, the miniseries of The Stand. Okay, nice. And uh, yeah, one of the one of the main players in Nightmare Cinema, which of course we'll be seeing in a couple of weeks at Sound so Games. Games. Nice, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, basically Mick has um, someone on from the world of horror, mm-hmm. generally like a director, yeah, and just kind of talks to them about their career. He's had people on the show, uh, like very first episode was Rob Zombie. He had he's had Joe Dante on. He's had Eli Roth on. He's Tom Holland. You name it. He's pretty much he's pretty much had them at this point. Cool. Most recently had Don Coscarelli on talking about the 15th anniversary of Bubba Hotep. But on the subject of Don Coscarelli, I actually just bought his new book, True Indie: Life and Death in Filmmaking. Nice. Okay. Um, I haven't got around to starting it yet, but I'm very much looking forward to doing that. Uh, I, I love Don Coscarelli. I love his films. Uh, actually, um, on again while on on the subject of Don Coscarelli, Satan Slave, the original one is loosely considered to be the Indonesian version of Phantasm. Oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know if Don Coscarelli knows that. Or... Yeah. Um. So, I guess, unless there's any other business, it's time to turn our attentions to this week's episode. Yeah. So, before we get into that, quick thank you, of course, to uh, Jen Wexler, yeah. director of The Ranger, um, who joined us last week to talk Armageddon with us. Um, this week, we are definitely um, changing tack again. Yeah. So, our guest uh, this week, pretty timely. I would Actually, say, yeah. yeah um, he is the director of Celluloid Screams mm-hmm. Horror Festival, um, which is, of course, 
running this year at the Showroom Cinema in Sheffield, as it does every year. It's his 10th year, Mr. Rob Nevitt. Yeah, us this absolutely. Week. Yep, and we're going back to 1976 this time. Okay. Pete Walker's House of Mortal Sin. Okay, somewhat inevitably, I have not seen this. Didn't think you would have. No, but uh, I've been all looking forward to that. So, yeah, um, this coming Friday, Rob Nevitt of Celluloid Screams joins us to talk House of Mortal Sin. Yes, indeed. And I guess at this point, it's worth mentioning, while we're talking about Celluloid Screams, <laughs> that we will, of course, be doing our first ever live show from the festival this year. Cue eyes rolling everywhere. I know. Uh, on Friday the 19th of October, you can probably say it along with us at this point, but yeah. Friday the 19th of October at 3pm at the Showroom Cinema. Uh, Andy, myself, and a mystery guest mm-hmm. uh, will be there with an audience, hopefully, talking um, about their film selection. Yep, absolutely. So we'll be letting you know about that in plenty of time. As always, um, we'll have some mini-sode stuff as well, including a live Mitch's Pitches, as we said. Yep. Um, also, some giveaways going on, uh, some stuff... Courtesy of our pals at Arrow Video. Yes, indeed. Get in touch and uh, some other stuff going on. So more details to follow, but there is a Facebook event for it. Um, so I will reshare the link for that as well. But yeah, really looking forward to that. What I think I'm going to do, by the way, is in advance, we'll, uh, we'll announce the film in advance. Mm-hmm. And we'll try to keep the guest as under wraps as possible. Well, that's cool. The, until the, the day of the live show. But we'll, put the, we'll, we'll announce the film so people can watch it. And play along with us when they're there in the audience. Uh, we'll have we'll have a kind of Q and A bit where you can stand up and pose your own questions on the film to us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, we'll do our best to answer whatever nonsense needs answering. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, that is coming up. With that, I guess we're just about done for another one. Fuck yeah, yeah. yeah. So thanks as always for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, then you certainly can. Facebook and Instagram, we're Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC. Or you can email scenes at gmail.com. Yep, and as you know, there's tons of places you can listen. Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean. Tune in for those people with fancy Alexa devices that want to scream our names at them and have us talk back to them. Um, and of course, iTunes. And if you are listening on iTunes, I know we say it all the time, but please, please, please rate and review. It really does help us. Sure does. So we'll be back this Friday, joined by Rob Nevitt to talk House of Mortal Sin. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Good night. Good night. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.